0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are in the 20th chapter. Jesus has been teaching his disciples in parables, and today we hear yet another. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usually daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon, and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go, go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last, and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the landowner replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage?" Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, we come into your presence. We come to be changed, to be more whole, to be more alive, to be your joyful people in your kingdom stir us now with your word and by your spirit awaken within us that word that will help to heal us and make us whole and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In our first service this morning, we had quite the baptism. (laughs) It was something else. I have never had a baptism quite like this one. Claire Anita Williams. We knew last Friday that her mother needed to hold her, that she was not going to come to me. Well, Anita, Claire Anita did not like it at all. She did not like being up in front of everyone. She did not like being held even in her mother's arms. She wanted to walk all around. She nearly walked off the chancel area several times. It made it all quite interesting. She vocalized her upsetness (laughs) throughout the entire celebration. We cheered as a congregation when we blessed her at the end. We celebrate the sacraments. We celebrate baptism as an act of the sacred, placing water on the forehead as that visible sign of God's invisible grace. We celebrate a new life and a pouring out of God's love and God's claim on that person. You are mine, says God, and I am yours. We are beloved children of a gracious God. And so our celebration is also of God's goodness and God's abundant grace. We baptize infants, even the noisiest of them. Before they have any awareness of God, any awareness of theology or right and wrong, Because it doesn't matter how old you are or how smart we are or how good we are. God loves us all without distinction. God's grace is for all. God loves us all the same. God loves us equally and more than we can imagine. Now, we prize equality. It is one of the principles of our nation. We have equality written into our Constitution. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And when we as a nation came to understand that our definition of men needed to be broadened, we have worked for equal rights throughout our nation's history. We have worked to include and create more equality. We continue to work for equal rights and human rights for all people, for equal pay, for equal work. Women make 78.3 cents for every dollar a man makes, and at the rate of change, it will be 45 years before there is income parity and it will be it is far worse for women of color we work for equal treatment under the law regardless of race we work for equal access to health care fairness and housing we seek to make the world more fair and our society more just yet equality And Jesus' story is not fair, nor does it seem just. Evidently, God does not believe in equal pay for equal work. The chief complaint of those who worked in the hot sun all day long, only to be paid the same amount as others, was, you have made them equal to us. We worked harder. We worked longer. We did more work. We deserve more than they do. It's only fair. Yet you have made them equal to us. In truth, we do not want to be treated equally. We want to be treated fairly. And by fairly, we mean we want to be recognized for our efforts. We wanted to be treated for what we have done for the acknowledgement acknowledgement for our accomplishments rewarded for our achievements especially when we have achieved more or worked harder or longer than they have we want to be sure everything is fair Now Jesus' disciples also want everything to be fair and they're having a little difficulty with what is fair. And there's a lot of anxiety happening in that little community of disciples and fear and trying to understand. They're trying to figure out who's going to be in the kingdom of God and who's going to be out. And what has to happen for one to get in and how one is going to make it in, how does one qualify, be good enough to get God's approval? What does it take? They've just met the rich young ruler who came with that question, and Jesus told the rich young ruler, give up all your possessions and none come and follow me. But he can't do it. And then the disciples look around and say, Well, this guy is exactly who should be in the kingdom. He's the successful one. He is fit for a kingdom. If he can't get in, what about all of us? We gave up our possessions. Jesus said, you're going to be rewarded more than you can ever know. And then Jesus goes on to tell them that this whole kingdom of God thing is going to cost him his life. And in the very next breath, James and John come to him and say, Well, when you die, by the way, and you are up there in heaven with God, will you make sure that one of us gets to sit on your right and the other one gets to sit on your left? Something's not right here. There's still this jockeying for position. There's still this anxiety. There's this fear. There's comparing and competing. They don't get it. And so Jesus tells them this parable of the kingdom of God. There is a landowner who gets up early at 6 o'clock in the morning who needs extra laborers in the vineyard. And so he goes and he gets everyone he can find and he agrees to pay them their daily wage. But then again, there aren't enough in the vineyard. He goes out at 9 o'clock and gathers in more. And then we realize he's really strange because maybe there's enough already in the vineyard, but he goes out still for more at noon. I'll pay you what is right. And then he goes out at 3 o'clock and fits everybody in the truck that, The landowner drove in 1st century Palestine, fits everybody he can find, and takes them to the vineyard. And then at 5 o'clock, the 11th hour of that working day, this landowner goes out to find anybody who's still out there. Why aren't you working? No one hired us. Well, get in. We're going to the kingdom. At this point, it might be really wonderful to be the manager of the vineyard. Really wonderful. Because that manager of the vineyard gets to stand there and give out the daily wage to those who were hired last. And who would be hired last? Well, the ones who would be hired first, as you can imagine, would be young and fit and strong. They would probably have the highest degrees and be the most well-educated And come from the best families. But these who are hired last can barely work at all or have been passed over so many times, there's just no hope. They are the weak, the elderly. They are those who are too young to work and yet need to eat they are the disabled the sick, the infirm the homeless the hopeless and the women and this manager gets to stand there and give each one of these that daily wage that this person has not seen in days and maybe longer. This person doesn't have to go home tonight and say to their children or to their family, I didn't get any work today. They get to go home and they get to eat. They have enough for that day. For that day, they are so full of joy and surprise and delight. But this is where the manager's job becomes quite unpleasant because behind all of these who were hired last are all of those who were hired and worked longer. And they all anticipate that they're going to get more. If this guy is so generous, well, then we're going to get more. Well, we might get five denarii. But it doesn't happen that way, and so the anticipation and the excitement becomes disappointment, and then it becomes anger. You made them equal to us. If the landholder had only paid first, those who worked the first and the longest, they would have gone, and they wouldn't have been any wiser for the matter. But the landowner didn't want it that way because he wanted them to be wiser. God is less concerned about equal pay for equal work than God is concerned about a living wage, which does not mean, by the way, that we should not work for equal work for women and for men. But God wants everyone to have what they need. And that's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Everyone gets enough to eat. Everyone receives compassion. Everyone has something at the end of the day. No one goes home empty-handed. This is what God wants all to see. That God is generous. Those who go away angry do not accept the grace. And it is that non-acceptance of the grace that invites them out of the kingdom. The last words of the parable are of the landowner. May I not do what I want to do with what is mine? Can I not choose to be generous? Or are you jealous? Are you envious? The literal translation is Is your eye evil because I am good? We are competitive. It's part of what it means to be human, it's just there. If we deny that, then we fool ourselves. The question is, what will we do with that competitive nature that seeks to compare and then gets anxious and afraid? God offers us the answer of grace. Give up the fear and then the anxiety. I love you. I claim you. You are mine. I am yours. As with everything. God's kingdom lifts up the poor. God's kingdom is more than fair. The emphasis... Is on more. God is more than fair. God is gracious and generous. In our culture, we prize social equality and work for the equality and equal worth of every human being, but at the same time, we live with great wealth inequality. We know in fact that there has been a tremendous wealth gap in our nation that has been growing over the last generations and which grew exponentially during the recovery. The average employee needs to work one month to earn what a CEO earns in one hour. If the middle class person makes $50,000 a year, the top 10% is 50 million and the 1% 50 billion It's a thousand times each step, and we concentrate that wealth and power in the hands of a few to the detriment of the many. The recovery has brought a little relief for the poor, but great benefit to the wealthy. When Jesus gives us a vision of God's kingdom, it is a challenge to live out the kind of generosity that God (laughs) desires and God gives. For those who have enough, the challenge is to be sure that everyone gets The challenge is also how we see the world and how we see ourselves in it. It is so hard, often, not to feel like those who have been slighted when we have worked harder and we have done more. And this parable is not meant to shame us or guilt us. It is meant to heal us and open up the possibility that we can have grace? Will we focus on what is fair or unfair or what is kind and compassionate? Will we cultivate anger or resentment or gratitude? It's so hard... stay in the kingdom and yet it's not in the morning when I wake up I am not a morning person to say the very least I am NOT good in the morning I am NOT gracious in the morning I used to tell my youth group kids on mission trips, I am not responsible what I say or do to you before 10 o'clock or after 10 o'clock. When I get into the shower some mornings, my head is filled with what I didn't do, what I have to do, going through what I wasn't good enough at, what I might not be good enough at, what somebody said to me that I didn't like. And that is not a way to be fit to be a pastor or quite honestly a human being because then it's the, it's the competition, the resentment, the fear. But then, if I start to think about those things for which I am thankful, if I can think about Well, my daughter said to me last night before going to bed that was just so whatever. Or about the dog that runs around and how my husband didn't want the dog and now he plays with the dog and chases the dog and I sit there and laugh to myself. He really does love that dog. Or I think about something that went well at work. Or I think about my house And it changes. And I am back in the kingdom. It's that hard and it's that simple. We have a choice. To live in fear and anxiety. Or to live in grace. May we choose grace. Amen.